when we were young, growing up at home, when we would maybe on the summer mornings or winter mornings or if he's home from school sick or whatever, there was any number of game shows that would be on TV. And Jess and I played along with a lot of them. We'd watch uh, uh, Price is Right. Uh, a little uh, that was that, those were new, I guess, even then at the time. But we'd watch some old ones as well. And Jess was really good at uh, the game uh, Name That Tune. Uh, and if you remember on the old game Name That Tune, somebody play a piano or an instrument, they play whatever amount of notes you said that you could get it right in, and you you'd bet it down. I could name it in seven notes, and then the other person said six, and. You know, sometimes they'd get down, they, they could play one note and somebody would get Well, Jessica, she could get them all just about right every time. There was another game that was on that we never really watched. So when I came across this, I, was, I found, I'd seen like a brochure type deal. When I came across it, I, I thought, I'm going to use that as something for, uh, for our lesson. But the game was, let's make a deal. And oddly enough, this game has been on a lot. And so I, I wanted a picture for us to start with. So I typed in, let's make a deal like logo or something like that. And there's 10 different ones. And so I don't know if this is one from the 70s or the 80s, 90s or 2000s. All I do know is that these game shows seem to, they seem to work and they just keep uh, regenerating them. But some of you may have seen the show, let's, let's Make a Deal. And you may be more familiar with it uh, than me. I will say this, one of the things that this did happen, I noticed when... Josh stepped up there to read. Uh, the font that's on here, that, this, this bothers me, it doesn't bother you, but the way this is written, uh, I, I found the exact same font, I was gonna use it, and when Josh stepped up there to read, it said Mark chapter 10, and that's not the same font. So if anything looks out of whack, it's because it's a different computer than what we have at home, and I apologize uh, if that's the case. But the general idea, the gist of let's make a deal is you had a couple things presented to you. And so I'm gonna present a couple of things to you here today. Let's start, though, with your first offer, okay? So, the first offer. If I were to offer you right now, I'm going to give each of you $100,000 for your car right now. How does that sound? Most of us probably probably like the sound. Leland's probably the only person that doesn't want to hear this. He he rides pretty he rides pretty high class with whatever he comes in. But most of us, this sounds pretty good, right? A hundred thousand dollars. <throat> what would we do with that money? I'd probably take it. You know, I might need another car, but I might actually have two cars, or I could maybe buy something used, and I have fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars maybe left over. That's pretty good, right? So all of you immediately. I've never seen that. I've never seen so many smiles on the audience of Stanford Church of Christ as I did when I put that up there right then. All right. So guess guess we'll need to have that money and greed conversation next. All right. So anyway, what about a second offer then? I'll give each of you a million dollars for your car, but there's a couple stipulations. First, you got to give back the hundred thousand. You can't be shoving it into your hip pocket while I'm giving you this. Second, you have to wait one week for the million dollars. You have to leave your car here, right where it's parked, right out there for the rest of the week. And you got to be back here next Sunday at 11.07. 
so that you can receive that life. Okay? So now I want you to think about the second option. How many of you feel like the second option, you could probably make that work? All right? We could probably make that work, right? You know, I, I might have to get a ride home from somewhere. Some of us may live closer to here. We may just walk. You know, I might just be able to walk or whatever. This will complicate things at work, but I'm probably just going to take five days off work because i got a million dollars that's going to be in the bank and it may not matter anyway. But the second offer and the first offer when we put these up here, you have your options here. So would anybody then turn down the second offer? Would you be willing to exchange 100000 for a million? Well, most of us would say, of course I'll do that. That's, that's not even a question. Not even the conditions are going to deter you. Even if it was coming an absolute flood, and it's not, but if it was coming an absolute flood right now, most of us would say, I'd probably still walk home because it's going to be worth whatever the reward might be. So let's think about this for a second. Let's analyze this for just a second. Well, the first offer sounded exciting at first, maybe more exciting than I anticipated. I mean, Y'all's jumping up and down clapping by the time it was over. But it sounded really good, but it kind of paled in comparison to the second offer. When the second offer was made, you immediately had forgotten about the first offer. You put it behind, you weren't thinking about it. But of course, that was not near as good, like we said, as the second. A million dollars is a lot more money. And even if we have to wait, even if we're inconvenienced, it's still better. But by accepting the second offer, you've turned down the first offer. Remember I said, you gotta give that 100,000 straight back. You're gonna take the million instead. So by accepting the second, you've turned down the first. You have an offer of immediate gain, You've exchanged that for something that is a much larger offer of a future game. An offer, number one, that required no sacrifice. You just hold out the hand, I still put the money in. But the second offer required a little bit of sacrifice, right? When you're thinking about this million dollars, if I were to say, all right, we'll do this, how many of you are thinking about work right now? How many of you might be thinking about how I'm going to get home Right now, how many of you might be thinking about chores or jobs that you need that big? You're weighing those options. So when we analyze something, the first one versus the second one, we're weighing our options. On the TV show, you had Let's Make a Deal, right? And they had to weigh those options. They had to figure out, they had to think about what it is. Well, let's talk about making a deal in real life. I don't think anybody in here is... I'm sure everybody's kind of got figured out what the story is here uh, for us today. But let's think about making a deal in real life. Well, we get two offers on this one as well. The first one uh, is the offer, uh, a savings offer. You get immediate pleasure and rewards, right? You get that $100,000 right there off the bat. You get all the stuff that you could possibly want. And you don't really have to make any effort. For in the first place. That's what the $100,000 was a minute ago. You didn't really have to make much of an effort for it. The Bible actually makes reference to this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 25. We'll go back to this uh, toward the end. But the Bible said in he, uh, of this deal in Hebrews 11, 25, speaking of Moses, it said, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God rather than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. The word choosing there is important because there was a choice that was made in what was presented. And it appears, and we'll see it again with Moses, we'll come back to him in a minute, it appears that Moses made one decision 
rather than another decision. He chose to suffer the afflictions of those in God rather than the passing pleasures of sin. There was two choices. There was a fork in the road, and he went one way rather than the other. But not everyone makes the same decision. Not everyone makes the same deal. So what does God offer? God's offer. Well, God's offer has future pleasures and rewards, right? Comes a little bit later. And the problem with future is we don't really know when that pays off, right? We don't really know when that happens, when that's going to be. But, he, but God's offer is a future. Now, what are those rewards? Well, it's an eternity of bliss for in the Bible, and it exceeds the pleasures that we have here on this life. But it also requires a lot of effort and a lot of sacrifice on our part. And that's difficult, right? The effort, the sacrifice that comes with it. It requires things like faithful service. It requires us to resist temptation. It requires us to perhaps endure persecution. It requires all of those things. In fact, we can refer to this in, that should not say Hebrews 6 and 23. It should say Romans 6 and 23. That's my mistake. I can't blame the computer on that. That's all me. But Romans 6 and 23, we read that the wages of sin is death, right? But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Now, that is the second offer. Now, when we look at these two offers here, we look at these two options, just like we had a minute ago, we have to make a decision. We have to look at one or the other. We have to analyze what it is. Most of us, a minute ago, we jumped at the first offer, but when the second offer was presented, we thought, okay, that makes sense, but it's going to require a little bit of me. The same thing happens right here because the things that are listed over here seem pretty good, right? We have immediate reward, which is really nice. You know, if I, get, if I go out and work today, I'd like to get paid today. I don't want to have to wait. Uh, no effort or self-discipline. That's really good because if I, the less effort I have to exert, the better off it's going to be. But we have the second offer, which requires a little bit more. So why do so many choose the one on this side? rather than the one on that side. Well, I think it's because we often fail to appreciate the value of an offer, right? We often, often fail to appreciate the value of an offer. $100,000 sounds really good, right? We could figure out a whole lot to do with $100,000. But first of all, I gave it to you for your car. So then you gotta go buy a new car, right? And when you buy that new car, you got to license it. You got to insure it, right? You got to put gas into it. What's happening to that $100,000 right then and there? It's already whittling down, right? It's coming away. Probably going to pay some taxes and that kind of stuff as well. And all of a sudden, it's gone. And we think, well, wait a minute. Now, I was buying, I, I gave up my car. I thought I'd get a used one. So we're giving up something that we've got good. Maybe get something even worse. And it's costing us in the process. But we choose that first offer. A lot of people choose the first offer because we don't appreciate the difference in value. This failure to appreciate the difference is true for all of us in real life. And we realize, we don't always remember, but those promises that come with the first one are ever so brief. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8, the promises of God last a whole lot longer. 
We read in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 8, bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. It's not telling you that you don't need to exercise, but rather it's saying those kind of improvements are only temporal. They only matter ever so briefly. But the decisions we make, we see in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8, are decisions that last a long period of time. Let's go back to Mark chapter 10. We're going to read the last couple of verses there. I've got a second thing that I've made a title. This is not very good. Uh, on that, I believe that it should say Mark chapter 10. We're going to read verses 28 through uh, 31. Uh, again, right here. <clears throat> Two mistakes. Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 28. This was in where Josh was reading there just a moment. But Peter began to say to him, See, we have left all and followed you. And Peter says that because that was one of the requirements, right? That was one of the things that was necessary. And Jesus answered and said unto you, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands. Think about all of those things. I got tickled when Josh was reading because I, I could hear in Josh's voice like, how many more of these things am I going to have to list right here? But that pretty much covers everything, right? If you were to go through and you say, well, I've got this and I've got this and I've got this and I've got this and you had to leave. But we don't all have those things, but everybody has to leave something at the end of verse 29 for my sake in the gospels verse 30 who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life and it says that those kinds of things that we read right there those are sacrifices that have to be made for something beneficial going further verse 31 it says but many who are first will be last and the last will be first we've seen that verse a few times over and over again see the problem we often have when we're playing let's make a deal is we want the stuff right then and there we like the stuff right then and there and we're often even able to excuse our reasoning for choosing the things that are first because we don't even know how far that last stuff is going to be it's nice to have you know what's the saying burden hands or two in the bush or something along those lines we make those kinds of things a lot of times we sell our soul in a sense for that first offer moses understood that this that uh difference and made the right choice we referenced this a little bit earlier but i want you to go to hebrews chapter 11 hebrews chapter 11 verses 24 through 26 Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24 through 26. We read, By faith Moses, when he had become of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You remember the story, right? The story of Moses where he put in the, they put him in the little basket and they sailed him down and the Pharaoh's daughter finds him and uh, they were doing this to avoid Moses being killed and they ended up, he ends up in a great spot and he's raised up in this household and Moses went from basically kind of a nobody to being somebody who was as prominent, who was as important uh, who was anybody. But Moses was also uh, recognized who he was. And, and rather than stay in the situation that he was in, 
rather than stay as the son of the Pharaoh's daughter. Think about what kind of prizes, what kind of benefits, what kind of rewards that would have been. If your grandfather, if we're doing the description today, if your grandfather's the king, things will probably be pretty good for you, right? You aren't going to have to worry about money. You're not going to have to worry about a place to live. You're not going to have to worry about anything in life. Things are all good. But Moses said, rather than stay with that, stay in that life, which wasn't true, but he was still a part of, Moses chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Think about the rest of that story with Moses. What were Moses' options? He could have stayed where he was and everything was great. But rather, he takes the people out of Egypt. They're chased out after all of this disaster, all of this trouble. They're pursued constantly. And then think about all the troubles that they had. They didn't go from point A to point B. They put in about 58 other points they're in the process. In the book, in the Old Testament, we're even 40 years to get from point A to point B, right? Took a long time for them to get there. And it wasn't like it was good times either, because the whole time they were doing it, the people were what? The Bible used the word murmuring, right? They murmured and complained nonstop. And the one time Moses left them alone for about 10 minutes, what'd they do? They built a new golden calf to worship. So Moses chose to suffer affliction with people who didn't seem to really appreciate, in many cases, what he was doing as well. Does that sound familiar? Do we ever have those kind of situations with, with us? Verse 26 there at the end, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. It says there at the end, for he looked to the reward. He looked to the reward. It's hard to describe how much riches there would have been in Egypt. I know, Boo, you read a lot about Egypt back you know, years ago and all this kind of stuff. And, I, and, and we, we refer to it sometimes when I'm teaching my world history class. And it's just hard to describe all the stuff that they had. Last week, we were talking about Paul being shipwrecked. And part of the stuff that was on the boat with Paul was grain from Egypt that they were sent. They had enough grain to feed their people that they could ship it off to other places and feed them. So it looks to me like that Moses could have stayed right where he was and had all the good stuff right then and would have never been hungry. But he forsook all of that, verse 26 says, for the idea of a reward, right? For the reward, the promise of that reward that was going to be there. He chose, he made this decision. He evaluated his deals, right? And he made the right choice. Now, we could find other examples in the Bible of people who did this, but I'm not worried about other examples in the Bible. I'm worried about us. When we play Let's Make a Deal, we're presented with these sort of options, right? It's very rare that we get presented the 100,000 and a million. That's not what it is. But how many choices do we get presented with during the course of the day? <laughs> Think about the choices that present themselves to you from the minute you get up until the minute you go to bed. Let's say we're awake 15, 16, 17 hours, however long it is a day. The first choice that we see from the get-go all the way to the end. Now do the math. How old are we? 40, 50, 60, 70. I don't know how old we are. But if you factor in all the days that you've lived, if you figure in, I've got 16 hours worth of choices times 45, 50, 60 years worth. How many choices have we been faced with? It's unrealistic for us to think that we're always going to make the right choice. That's not realistic, right? There were people on this game show, Let's Make a Deal, who walked away a little bit down, right? They chose what was behind the first door rather than what was behind the second door. But they didn't know what their choice that we're making. And sometimes we make those same, same mistakes as well. But whenever we're faced with these opportunities, when we're faced with these decisions, when we're faced with this notion of let's make a deal, the screen of the ego said we've got to analyze it. 
Who often we make our decisions now? Just like that, right? How many decisions have been made just like that that were re, re, um, uh, what's the word I'm trying to say? I was say rejected, but how many decisions that were made like that that were regretted uh, sometime later? How many decisions have we regretted? There's a lot to, too many to list, right? Too many to list right there. But sometimes we choose that first offer because it sure seems like the best one right there. So the question is, what deal have you made? Well, first of all, are we accepting the deal presented by Satan? Obviously, this is the deal, the, the deal that makes the path of least resistance, right? This is the path that's easier uh, that's there. And, and for most of us, we like to avoid the resistance, right? That's easier. We like think we want to do it the easiest way possible. There are some of my students who like to do things the hardest way possible. And I just want to go over and slap them upside the head and say, there's an easier way to do this, you know? We can make this easier. But sometimes in life, you ever known somebody who made the wrong decision every single time? It's almost like they thrive on making the decision the wrong decision. But we choose our decisions quite often because they provide the least amount of resistance. Instead, it gives us something uh, immediate. And we are making that decision if we refuse to obey the gospel. Now, are we choosing something else? Are we choosing, uh, as you see right there, the narrow path and the rewards that comes with it? The promise of eternal life. Is it worth the effort? Now, I can't answer that question. Is it worth the effort? That question has to be answered by who? That question has to be answered by every single person. Because I tell you yes, or I tell you no, but it doesn't matter to me either way because I'm not the one who makes the decision, right? Who makes the decision? You are the person that has to make the decision. I have to make those same decisions as well. And so we have to pursue that. We have to think about that. We have to analyze that. Is it worth the effort? Each day we're faced with these kind of things. So let's make a deal. Let's finish here with what we've got. Let's make a deal, as we can see right here on the screen. I can't see it from there, so I gotta read it from here. But let's remind others and ourselves of the riches of heaven. Do we ever think about that? Do you ever think about what you go to church for? I have church this morning at 10. If somebody were to respond to that, why? What's your answer? Uh, Dad, maybe? Uh, I don't know. Some friends there? Do we have a real good answer for that? Have we ever been asked that question? Because I'm sure there's people that think about that. Why are we going? Well, we need to remind each other of why we're here. We need to remind each other of what's the reward going forward. And pursuing that reward will be a whole lot easier if there's other people that you're pursuing that award with. Let's go back to the original offer. If every one of you all walk out of here with $100,000 throwing it up in the air like it's the greatest thing in the world, and I'm stuck here waiting a week for my money, I'm going to feel kind of down as well, right? But if there's more people with us, if there's more people going through the same difficulties with us, it'll be much more enjoyable. Let's choose to suffer afflictions of the people of God rather than the passing pleasures of sin. Who did this? We talked about it a minute ago. Who was it? Moses, right? And we say, well, if Moses can do it, then I can do it, right? There's people in the Bible. Moses is mentioned all throughout those first few books of the Old Testament, but Moses is mentioned in Hebrews for what reason? It's described as the honor roll of faith, right? They didn't list all the people who had done some 
No, well, they did miss people that have made mistakes, that have done wrong. But those are people that we would look up to, that we would model, in many ways, ourselves after. And let's keep looking for the reward that God has prepared for us. That's, as we see right there at the end, the best deal that we can make. Life's not a game show. It's not a game show. Mary and I, we watch game shows from time to time. We get worked up about people. They'll say they've got, you know, they got $100, and if they take another chance, they win 500 or 1000 or whatever. And we always sit there and say, take the chance. The reason why Mary says, she says that every time she said, you didn't have any money when you got here. If you walk out of here with no money, you're in the same boat as whenever you are. That's a game show. That's for fun. Life is not that way, right? We walk out the door in life with two options. One is immediate, one is long-term. Which reward would we rather have? It might take some sacrifice. It might take some difficulty. It might take some challenges. But it'd be far greater to know the reward that we have going forward. So let's make, as we see here, the best deal that we possibly can. It starts by becoming a Christian. It starts by hearing what we've heard, and hopefully we've heard throughout the course of the day what we need to know. But it also goes with that. We have to make changes. We have to confess who God is, we have to repent. Dad and I, Kevin were talking about that a minute ago. Repent's the hardest thing. It's the hardest, most difficult thing because that's a change, that's a turn, that's a different move in which you're going. And after repenting, then we choose, we choose to be baptized and we choose to become a Christian. But then that's just, that, that's just you know, that's just wet clothes. There's got to be more goes forward even after that. Our decision should be made knowing that there will be a continuous chain of difficult decisions that have to be made. And our hope is that those decisions can be made the best way that a Christian could. So I'd invite you to come. Whatever we can do, any way we can help you, we invite you to come while we stand and sing.